0: And we are live. All right. Fight day. Fight night. UFC. July 7th. I got to admit that I think right now today is like one of the best sporting days you could have. Hands down.
1: Yeah. Between the World Cup games that have been absolutely amazing, the UFC fight that's happening tonight. Yeah. It's, it's going to be real nice.
0: I think the baseball all-star game is coming up here pretty soon, too. Yeah.
1: I don't care that much about baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a baseball person. I, I never really have been. I never got into baseball. Which is why, like, I, I recently got into UFC in the last, what, like, two years that I've known you because you got me into it. But basketball, football, and soccer have been the three
0: that I always paid the most attention to. So I saw a interesting uh, tidbit of information a couple years ago. There is a major United States male professional sport played on every single day. Uh, every single day of the year, there is either a hockey game. A baseball game a football game or a basketball game except for two days. okay i was gonna say i thought there was like a day was it black there, wednesday or black friday there's, or some there's, day? there's two days that in the united states there is no major male professional sport and it's the day before and the day after the baseball all-star game oh okay those are the only two days that i mean espn is struggling
1: <laughs> well that's when they should bring back really obscure sports like have you ever seen, uh, it's on Reddit, the uh, Ocho, where people, they have like lawnmower racing. Or uh, there was a Japanese one where I saw these guys, they took, it was firemen, and they run with ladders as fast as they possibly can, and they have to climb up like a four-story building and throw the ladder down. It's the most ridiculous crap you've ever seen. And It's like sports in other countries. Is this like the Fireman World Championship or something like that? Yeah, and it's in Japan, so they're killing it over there, what? too. They're, they're going up like flights of stories as fast as possible.
0: <laughs> I will say, there's been a lot of very unique, I don't want to say garbage programming, but not your typical programming that I'm used to on ESPN recently.
1: Yeah, it's weird. You know, growing up watching ESPN, I had all the sports in the world to watch. It was always top 10 this, great plays this. And now with the internet and everybody being able to watch every sport from around the world, I actually see less on ESPN. Yeah. All they talk about is rumor crap, uh, who's going where, you know, what crazy play. And it's the same thing day after day after day after day. It's like, dude, you have an, the world at your hand at this point to show every crazy sport and you focus on like three sports at most and like a clip at best but espn became mtv to music basically as espn did to sports
0: it's amazing a lot of times you know being a big yankee fan you know i come home i'm like yes the yankee game on i turn it on and it's the cornhole championships is on espn (laughs) (laughs)
1: that would actually be really funny to watch you'd find yourself really involved in like a really dumb fun game
0: (laughs) i'm not kidding that it's been on for like two weeks straight yeah. These whole cornhole championships. I saw I was in Vegas 2 years ago and they had the
1: beer pong championship. The world beer pong championship was like, okay, they're making a sport out of this now. <laughs> I mean, god, are they actually drinking booze? No, it's water in a cup. That's so, so fun. Then maybe off to the side they might drink or I honestly don't know. How
0: could could you have a beer pong championship without without beer? (laughs) (laughs) Right? There's some
1: liability. They're like, you can't drink that much beer. It might kill somebody by the time they get to the end.
0: If there's no beer involved, it's just basketball with solo cups or yeah, something. Yeah, and then it's just a boring game. Yeah. It's like, like you like there's a factor into it. if you play long enough and you've been drinking long enough, it screws your game up. <laughs> yeah, and you start hitting that point. You're like, I can't drink anything else. Oh, God, I got to drink. <laughs> like, that's part of the fun of the game and yeah. the nostalgia and getting the other team so hammered, maybe that they their vision's a little screwed up. Yeah, and then you get on a crazy run We hit six cups in
1: a row and they demoralize the other team for having to drink warm, crappy beer. <laughs> that's funny. You know, Maybe they just don't have a sponsorship. Maybe I, Budweiser, Coors, or nobody wants to sponsor it.
0: So for now, they just use water. <laughs> I wonder what is going to become the next, like, fifth or sixth top sports in America.
1: You know, we've, well, been, we've been watching soccer So what, number one is it's football, watching-wise, then probably baseball just entirely the season. Basketball, and then hockey. And then, yeah, I guess when they have, like, a World Cup game or a Champions League game for soccer, those
0: will come up. But for the most part, that's kind of... That's it. Like, I don't know if MLS is ever actually truly going to take off.
1: I think it can. They're they're pushing for a huge amount of new teams now. So they had two last year. They're going to have two more this year. Hopefully the Phoenix Rising gets in. And then they think they totaled out at 28 teams by 2020 is their goal. And with what's happening to football... Give 15, 20 more years, and all of a sudden you might be there. I don't think in the next 10 years it'll be big, but 20 years from now, I think soccer can definitely be a
0: top sport in this country. I mean, until they ban fantasy football... That's a good point. (laughs) NFL will just continue to get more and more popular. Dude, and if it comes to a point where people
1: get too hurt, they'll just start using, like robots and have them go out there or virtual games where people will actually be playing in like a virtual simulator Ooh. and then that way it looks real it acts real everything's real except if you get hit you don't actually get fucked up <laughs> that'd be strange that'd like yeah, be
0: really weird r- running in a simulator yeah
1: and then like if you get tackled you don't actually get tackled but the play's dead but it looks like it real like you got just lit on TV or something, so the fans would love it. You don't get hurt. You could play to
0: your 50. <laughs> Man, <laughs> some some of these sallies though, they're still going to pull a hamstring and come up wounded. Yeah, the injury, because he ne-
1: tripped over his, like, cord at home. Ne-
0: Neymar would still be rolling around in the virtual reality oh simulator. Neymar, Neymar would be rolling out of his bedroom, <laughs> down the stairs, out the door. <laughs> I mean, God, do you think he practices his routines? Yeah, it'd
1: be really fun if he sits in front of a mirror and he's like, okay, He's like, got a girlfriend. I was like, okay, pretend to kick me in the leg. Okay. And then she kicks him and he's just like, ah, oh, God, rolls around. All right, what'd you think? Was it
0: more dramatic? Less scream, more scream? Should I grab my ankle? Do I grab my knee? Yeah. Does he have kids? I have no idea. I wonder if him and his kids practice it in the backyard. <laughs> he's like, all right, son, show me that move. His kids are just like, Jesus, dad, I'm tired of this crap. All right, the move is called Stop, Drop, and Roll. It's just a stop <laughs> drop and roll. It's no longer used for fire. It's now used for Neymar's children. I will say, out of they taught us some weird stuff growing up. You know, that was one of those things they just blasted in your head growing up. Stop drop and roll. Every, find somebody that doesn't know what stop, drop, and roll is.
1: You know what's funny though? Every video I've ever seen of anybody get caught on fire or witnessed it at a bar, nobody has ever stopped, dropped, and <laughs> rolled. <laughs>
0: So true Everybody still runs Everybody runs <laughs> away And screams <laughs> Meanwhile somebody's Trying to like
1: run up With a coat And putting it over Their face to tap it out
0: <laughs> Yeah It's always been Stop drop and roll Like it was yeah. the most Probably taught thing To us in school Yeah Like signage Never, everything. And nobody's ever Done it probably and, 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 and did people In the 80s and 90s Just get caught On fire a lot Yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I That's a good question, actually. I mean, I burn myself a lot cooking in kitchens, but I've never truly
1: set myself on fire. I've only seen a couple people set themselves on fire because I worked at a bar where they served uh, those fire shots and they weren't smart enough to blow it out. I'm like, oh, well, their hair is about to be a problem. Oh, man. And then they like throw it in their face. Like they don't take the shot because like they're so afraid of the fire that they basically launch it back and it gets on their face down th- and then they freak out and everybody piles onto them tries to pour water on them tries to beat their face in with a jacket and you're just sitting there going oh my god is is serving is fire
0: shots even legal in the state it's not but people will do it anyways God you know one time when I was a kid I decided I was going to burn the leaves in my backyard <laughs> and my father being a wonderful father gave me a full can of gas and just said, (laughs) all right, go for it. (laughs) And so now that I'm older, I can put myself in my father's shoes. And this will be a good lesson for him to learn. I understand. But I poured probably two gallons of gas on this small little pile of leaves. And then when I literally threw this match on the pile, (laughs) I remember the percussion of it exploding, (laughs) knocked me off my feet The only thing I remember was my father in the background laughing his (laughs) ass off and being like, ain't going to do that again, boy. Oh, my God. (laughs) That
1: sounds exactly like my grandfather, except with fireworks. He was like, we bought fireworks one time, and uh, I had one of those big bang ones. It just goes up, big bang, little flash. Anyways, it's on like a five to six foot stick, and I nailed this thing into the ground. I remember him looking at me, and he's thinking to himself, probably, okay, it's not enough to kill him or really hurt him, but it'll teach him a bad lesson. So I lit the thing, and I just stood there. And then, and it didn't move. And for like a half a second, I was like, oh, crap. And like in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, it's not going to go where It's going to blow up right here. And as I turned and got a foot away, boom, blows a crater in the ground, sends me on my ass, and there's my grandpa in the background
0: just shaking his head, laughing, looking at me, going, what'd you learn? <laughs> I think that's the difference with the older generations. Yeah. They, they had that mentality of you know what? I can't teach this to him. He's going to do it anyways. I might as well sit back, watch and laugh. Yeah, seriously. Cause
1: nowadays everybody's like, Oh, we got to prevent it from happening versus an older generations. Like, well, we'll do what we can, but if it happens, you know, don't go crazy. Like it, Shit happens. It's life. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get burned. Hopefully, the person watching it happen knows, okay, it's not going to severely maim him, but it'll definitely make him learn. Don't ever do that again.
0: I mean, the start of my cooking career, there's a picture on the internet of me in diapers out there on a hibachi cooking chicken, (laughs) like wearing almost nothing. Not the safest uh, uniform to wear to be grilling, <laughs> nope. you know. There, there's always this saying, "Don't never cook bacon naked." <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't be grilling in diapers either. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> but of course, mom's freaking out, and I—I I mean, I would was not old enough to remember what was said, but I was told that all my dad said was, "If he burns himself, he'll learn a lesson."
1: Yeah, and, he and he always
0: do? Yeah, that's the thing is. He didn't they didn't wrap me up in bubble wrap and all the safety gear. He's like, he'll figure it out. You know, if he screws if he burns himself, he'll heal.
1: He'll learn. Yeah, and you know what? My parents were mostly the same. And I'd still, you know, knock on wood to say I've never broke anything. I never severely got hurt. But they, you know, I played like rough sports. I played football, basketball. They would send me outside to go do dumb chores or like come clean things. Or if my dad was clipping a tree, I would stand under the tree while he's clipping it. And I just remember being like, Don't stand there. Don't stand there. And occasionally he'd like throw stuff down at me just to like, oh, it's a little branch. It's a little branch. Because then eventually, if he cut a big ass one that would kill me, I wouldn't be there. <laughs> it's <laughs> the little things. Yeah. I mean, so how's that wine? I'm liking this. So, yeah. So, we're drinking a, what are we drinking right now? Sans Lige. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. Les Jeunes. which is probably your not French. French is amazing. <laughs> I think it was pretty accurate. <laughs> if I say it American wise, it's Les Jouines.
0: When is, I don't even know where he came up with that name. Yeah, I don't
1: know. But there's a little child swinging in the clouds. It's 100% Grenache Rosé from Santa Barbara. Uh, big fan of Sons Leaves Wines, man. He makes some
0: crazy wines. So here's the fun thing about this winery. you know? It, I was working for a local distributor when this winery first popped up and came out. And we picked it up at our distributor. And we were so excited about it because it was so unique. Labeling is so important nowadays when it comes to... Bottles yeah. of wine. How many and people just look at
1: a label and they're like,
0: Oh, I want to drink that. I talk to people all the time about it. Like, I I I ask the general public all the time how they pick out bottles of wine, their ideas of what happens when they go into a wine shop. And l- probably fifty percent of the people just buy the wine based on a label. They go to a yeah. they go to a, a color of wine they like, mm-hmm. you know, or they go to a, a region that they like they find a price point and then they narrow it down to the seven coolest labels and they just buy the one that they think is the coolest and then once you know if you've got a good enough wine they'll just stick with you
1: forever i like i like this one a bit too because especially you know we were talking before we started that usually get a really dark rosé um from like grenache grapes but this one is it's a salmon color it is this is the lightest pinkest looking wine i've seen it almost looks like a and I got to remember this. There's like a real technical term versus rosé versus blush
0: and, and wines like this. But this one's this one's nice. It smells good. Tastes good. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening until we get the video up and running, yeah. uh, we're actually pouring this wine into two different style of glasses. Uh, we're using the Riedel Restaurant Extremes, the Big XLs, and we have it in their Bordeaux, and we have it in their Burgundy glass. So being the fact that typically a Grenache, I would... John, what glass would you normally put a red grenache in?
1: I would put honestly this big XL one with the fat body to it is the one I'd put it in. I wouldn't do it in this. Uh, what is this? This is the burgundy one. Yeah,
0: see, I, I would use a Bordeaux glass. I, yeah, I'd be interested to see what the psalms out there say because I know when you look at, say, Riedel's website or some of these other websites, it actually showcases twenty different varietals of glasses. Yeah. I actually own uh riedel's Brunello glass they have a glass just this for the, the big one yeah they're, they're actually smaller see i got a bunch
1: of the especially since i've got the winery uh all their basic again butchering fun names degustion okay <laughs> or it's probably german so it's probably <laughs> like some <something laughs> harder than that but they're basically the restaurant ones you can get it at all the restaurants mm-hmm. and uh it, honestly i can definitely every now and then smell a different nose but i just those are the easiest ones for me to use But I love these ones that you have. These are the burgundy ones for, like, Pinot and the occasional other
0: obscure wine we throw in there. Yeah, so we just opened this bottle. It's a bottle that came in the wine club shipment. Um, I do want to actually talk and mention uh, the write-up on the back of it because this is uh, one of the reasons that Kurt interests me so much in the wines that he makes. Um, His write-up on the back says, I am free to make the wine of my choosing because I follow no one. Traveling light, all I need is carried inside. A pure heart, a clear mind. In an old soul. Though the sky is dark and the way is lost, with each footstep there is insight. With each breath, resolve. That's his write-up on his bottle. It's not
1: all that about. That man has
0: had some fantastic times in his life to write up like that. Oh my God! It's amazing. You know, and his rosé has actually changed quite a bit over the years. The first rosé that I ever got from him looked like almost like strawberry juice.
1: Yeah, I can't remember which one I had from a shipment like right before. I was a few years back and it was the same thing. It was dark red. It looked like just a real, 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 real light Pinot Noir, basically. But um, I think he definitely kind of narrowed it down. So this one's kind of got like, there's like a hair, bit of haze into it. And I'm guessing it's probably because it was sitting on the yeast the entire time. Or maybe it lays. It is a bit cloudy. But not crazy cloudy. Like, it just definitely looks like it probably sat on the lease for a few months. But it smells great. It's clean, crisp. This is perfect being in Arizona where it's, what's today? 110? Yeah, it's got to be 110 today, easily. If I look at
0: my phone, my phone says 43. maybe 42 keeping it in celsius still to- yeah, always <laughs> makes <laughs> me feel better <laughs> <laughs> you should try this <laughs> leaving it in celsius to
1: make myself feel better about the fact that i like our neighbor's wall has the plastic wall and it melted the other day oh it literally God. sloped down it didn't you're no was your wall melted? Somebody, one of our friends had a melted wall. Oh, Matt, hasher, he uh, his wall melted one time over a hot weekend. I'm like, okay, people should not use plastic in the stairs. Arizona is
0: amazing. Yeah,
1: it's ridiculous.
0: So when it comes to rosés, though, I will say that. It was a very, very tough seller in Arizona for many years. When I worked in a restaurant business, we would pop a bottle of rosé for a customer, and sometimes you wouldn't touch that bottle again for two, three, four weeks, and you'd be like, oh, my God, it's still the same bottle. It was really tough to sell. And then when I got in the wine business, I'd go to wine festivals and pour out at some of these great festivals, and I got the same thing from probably two out of every three people that came up to the table. I don't like sweet wines. I don't like sweet wines. Yeah. And it used to drive me crazy. I would pour some beautiful rosés, and it was like pulling teeth trying to get people to try it. Yeah,
1: I've been, let's see, this will be the, I think, so this is my ninth year making wine. And then I think my, like, seventh year I made a sparkling rosé, and um, people loved it, but it was because it was super sweet. And it's because I had made a dry rosé, and nobody wanted to drink it. And then so I kept making it, kept making it. And it wasn't probably till the last two years where I started introducing a dry rose and people like, oh, I really like this so much more. I mean, we just had an international rose festival recently. So it's definitely picking up steam, but it took its sweet, sweet time. I just think people out here either drank, you know, Rombauer or like what are the what are those Arbor Mist style wines called? Uh, not cool uh, wine coolers. Yeah. Like it's wine it's coolers? yeah, it's called Arbor Mist. called Arbor Mist. We are we are not sponsored by Arbor Mist, and nor do we want to be. <laughs> hey, 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 you know
0: what? They pay the right amount of money. True, Arbor Mist. I, if you I, pay us well, we'll tell you that it's pretty good. <laughs> oh my God, uh, we have officially ruined one sponsor forever. I'm okay with that. I will say though, I was in the middle of a very high end wine tasting and teaching a class one time. And I feel my phone go off with a little ding, and I'm like, oh. Look down at my phone. It's a text from my mom. I'm like, I better check this, because my mom oh, just text me a whole lot. And it says, Damien, I know how much you enjoy wines, and I'm trying this great new wine today. You need to try it. And it's a picture of Arbor Mist Peach <laughs> Chardonnay. <laughs> and I thought it was a joke. I literally showed everybody in the wine class that. Here we are drinking, like, probably Brunellos and Barolos and all the rest of the oh, wines I that I love. So. And I'm like... I always make the joke that my mom, love her to death, all she really wants to drink is Behringer White Zinn. Yeah. And that joke officially expanded that day because it's not just White Zinn, it's also Arbor Mist Peach Chardonnay. Dude, my mom has been
1: gracious enough to pretend like she loves the wines that I do. So I we went to my cousin's wedding in uh, San Jose. So I took her up into Santa Cruz Mountains. We went to Ridge. Uh, I took her down into a little town outside the side where there was like Big Bear or Big Basin and, you know, these other couple guys down there. So she joined the Ridge Wine Club to get the Zinfandels because she actually liked them. Every single time I see her, I took her out to dinner. Anywhere we went, she gets Pinot Grigio with ice in it. <laughs> Guaranteed. 100% <laughs> of the time. Doesn't matter what it is. It's always Pinot Grigio
0: and ice. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. (laughs) But I'd say, you know what? At the end of the day, drink what you like. Drink what you like. You know what matters? Part of the reason with us doing this podcast is we really want to open up some people's eyes to some brand new wines or some brand new varietals and also attack wine in a non pretentious manner. Yeah. It's both John's and myself, our biggest pet peeve is the douchebag wine professional. The people that I call the chateau blah blah blahs. <laughs> and and the chateau blah blah blahs are the people that are like, oh, I'm drinking the chateau blah blah blah. With but, hi- with hints of Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you say that from your side, because
1: my side and, and the winemaking side is uh, I always my biggest pet peeves are when people tell me something that is like universally wrong or they have a misconception of it and then I'll I'll be as nice as I can in a way to correct it by being informative and they're still like oh well I I know what I'm talking about. By the way, I love rombauer or like Silver Oak and things like that. Okay, well let's expand on that
0: and Are the same people that don't want sulfites in their wine?
1: Yeah, is this sulfite free and organic and all natural? I'm like, well we try to be as organic as possible.
0: I love when I have uh, the only
1: ones that I get to and it drives me crazy, but I understand it, are the vegetarian or straight vegan people who want wine. And they're like, is this wine completely vegan? And I'm like, okay, technically, yes. And technically, no. Cause it goes, sometimes I'll use a DE filter. So it's dead animal shells. Does that count as vegan? I do like, I'm not sure what to say about that. And Oh, by the way, it was in a vineyard where they probably killed off bugs, birds and whatever to get their grapes. So
0: No? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, between the, was it diatomaceous earth? Yeah. So between that or using egg whites? Yeah, um, I've used egg whites to filter one before. So I guess I could... Or or fish guts. That's a definite, that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) Now, I guess I could understand that if I'm a vegan and I don't want to have animal products in my food, I probably don't want egg whites ever to be in that wine which is so weird i I know people that are complete meat eaters that are scared of raw eggs that's such that's such a weird thing and it's
1: not like that ends up in your wine like you're not gonna get egg white in your wine it's used to filter settle and you rack off rack off rack off and it's gone but okay if it's in the process uh,
0: i don't know i just it's, It's, it's it's a weird obviously it's touched the wine it might not be still in there yeah but so it's, it's a it's a weird subject. It really is. You know Which
1: ironically in the end, it's 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 wine. Like it's you try to be as organic as you possibly can. You try to do everything you can sustainably, but it is what it is. Yeah, and I always say
0: at the end of the day, just drink what you like. That's what I keep saying. Yeah. Is if if you do not want a wine that has egg whites, there's gonna be them out there. There's gonna be options. Yeah. If you like sweet wines, there's nothing wrong with it. If you like wine in a box, there's nothing wrong with it. As long as you're drinking wine. You're doing pretty well in life. Yeah. Plus, the weirder the wine, sometimes the funner it can
1: be. I mean, as long as we're going to be doing this podcast, we're going to have some crazy wines, some great wines. I mean, at the end of the show, we're going to drink a really weird drink that we'll talk about at the end, just because it's in the fridge,
0: and we're going to talk about that. I one. fully plan on drinking some Bartles and James someday. Dude, we're some, going to have to do the, what's that uh, podcast it's of that, box what? wines. God, do you remember those Bartles and James commercials? No it was like commercials. Oh, for years it was all growing up. It'd be like two old dudes on rocking chairs on their porch, <laughs> drinking Bartles and James and like the t- like I think it was Mr. Bartles and Mr. James they represented. Oh, God. And at the end they'd always say like in unison like thanks for your support. And that was Bartles and James. Commercials though, man, they had such an impact in people's lives like you drill it in their heads, and I've never had a Bartles and James in my life. But you know what? I've already I've said it twelve times in this podcast already. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I've heard Bartles
1: and James uh, mentioned a million times in the winery. Like a lot of people come in and go, "Oh, my first drink was Boone's Farm or Blue Nun or what's the steel one or and Bartles and James," and everybody laughs. Oh, that was the first thing I drank. Yeah, I mean, it, most people start drinking the most mediocre bottom end stuff. Like nobody goes into drinking beer right out of the gate with a stout or like a Stone Brewery or a Lagunitas. They go Budweiser, Bud Light. Milwaukee's best. Milwaukee's best, yeah. I mean, I'm from Arizona. We hands down supported
0: Natty Ice like 70% of their industry. (laughs) We used to comb the circulars when we were in college to find which store had the cheapest natty ice <laughs> it'd yeah. be like wa- wa- there was always like the walgreens like that we know that we go to There'd be, yep. like some of them were $3.99 at 12 back another store would be like four ninety nine. dollars another stuff star- we'd literally find the cheapest store we drive to that store and buy as much as we can so i'm not going to throw the guy under
1: the bus just in case it ever gets us but when we were in high school and even before we were 21 college we went to the same exact liquor mart down by tempe all the asu people will know who i'm talking about And uh, this dude would just be like, okay, you'll sell. And he'd be like, all right, today I've got a 30-pack of Coors Light for 15, or as usual, Natty Ice for, you know, 14. And be like, oh, man, we get Coors Light for 15 bucks? Yeah, but Natty Ice is 14. All right, we'll save that dollar, and then grab three thirty packs and go party it up when you're 19 or 18 years old
0: that dollar was an extra whopper dude man that was seven <laughs> seven more uh seven more 30 packs and i got a chipotle meal oh my god but chipotle wasn't around back then when did that place start we, we're gonna have to do a chipotle and wine tasting one day just so that i can go into a coma after eating five burritos oh god No, I really do want to do some really horrible products sometime on the show and really have fun with it. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind brown bagging some horrible products with some real wine professionals, you know, having like. Oh, absolutely. You know, having on a couple like advanced psalms, people that maybe have passed theory for master and have them on and blind taste and two rosés of quality and. And a dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm
1: actually enjoying this rosé a little bit more, the more I'm drinking this like it's that's usually it's what s- happens when you
0: drink bro that's a good point yeah <laughs>
1: like, at the end of an entire bottle it was amazing at the very end
0: going back to it, they were like your first beer when you were like 16 years old tastes horrible the second beer of the night tasted pretty good By yeah. the third beer it's the best thing you've ever <laughs> discovered in <laughs> totally. your life I
1: you wonder why your parents are trying to hide and lock your doors all the time you I, can't go in the cabinet or in my case a bar
0: <laughs> that is one thing that's changed though you know as I've gotten older you know I enjoy that first sip of beer like I get off from work and I want to sit down and have a nice like pop of that yeah. first sip tastes so damn good and for ten years of my life, it, that first sip was so horrible. That was it's that was wine,
1: kind of for me. Uh, my grandparents and even my dad would always let me have a like a sip of wine, or maybe two, like like the most tiniest little bit for dinner, like when I was pretty much between like you know the high school area. And I always remember this vague, this wine taste. It doesn't matter what it was. It could have been the best Barolo in the world. It could have been a bag that somebody slaps at the end of the night. It all tasted the same. It wasn't until it was actually a girl I was dating that loved Malbec, and then I was like, oh, crap, I got to impress her. I better buy a bunch of Malbec and start trying them so I know what I'm talking about. And then I had this one Malbec, and actually, I even remember it. It was, at, it was called Tappies and it was the first Malbec I had, and I went, oh, this is actually really good. So I tried another one, it was really good. And I had another one that was really good, and then I had a terrible one. I was like, okay, so wine can be crazy different. It doesn't all just universally taste. That's how I got into wine.
0: I had a couple different moments that kind of changed my opinion. I remember I had a Sterling Sauvignon Blanc right around Na- the Napa-, Napa Valley Sterling. I think it was, yeah. <laughs> and I think, it, I want to say it was, I'm pretty sure it was the Sauvignon Blanc. And it was probably like 99. And then it was at a restaurant. And I went to the store to try and buy the bottle. And I didn't see the Sauvignon Blanc, but I got another white wine in there. It was probably the Chardonnay. Yeah. And I got home and it was horrible. Now, I'm not saying the wine itself was horrible. It just tasted horrible to my palate at that moment in my life. Yeah. If I tasted it now, it'd be completely different. Oh, yeah. It was because I, I when I was young, also, I thought all white wine was Chardonnay, and I just didn't like it's Chardonnay. Chardonnay, oak butter. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't even understand butter back then. I didn't understand oak or anything. And then it was what, just that popcorn bacon taste all the time. I, I had a girlfriend in college who used to drink two buck chuck oh, all. <laughs> oh my god, just awesome! What a cheap date. <laughs> totally. Well, come on, that was we didn't have money back then either. That's a good point. <laughs> so, but I remember I wasn't allowed to drink wine with her because it always put me to sleep. And she's like, "No wine for you tonight," nope. because, because oh. wow. <laughs> yeah, literally one sip I'd be out. So I'd sit there and drink beer, and she'd drink wine. Um, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of hit me one night. She, I just drank a bottle with her, and we laughed, and the buzz was just so much different than beer, and I just fell it in It is. Love. It's a
1: totally different buzz between beer, hard liquor. Wine is, I've always, my, my feeling is, okay, I could drink beer depending on what beer. Now it's a little different. You have one, like, good IPA, and all of a sudden, you're like, holy crap, I'm buzzed. But if you're pounding Budweiser, Bud Light, or something like that all night, you know, you're definitely getting really drunk, but you feel so full, and, like, you're kind of gassed. Wine just puts me into such, like, a good, happy, easy, talkative, fun mode. And if I'm having liquor, it's a party. (laughs) Like, that is that that night's going to end early.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the reasons I don't really drink liquor too much. Yeah. I just just, stick to scotch pretty much. That's about it. You know, liquor makes me drunk. I like to have a few drinks, but I don't want to be drunk. Yeah. So, as far as rosés, though, I mean, this, for being warm climate, Southern California rosé, is really soft and really supple. I mean, there's really... It's not aggressive. I his last rosé that I had. It's been a number of years since I've had his rosé. I probably haven't had his rosé in eight years, um, and it was the groundwork rosé, and it was the one that was deep and mm-hmm. dark, and that thing would drank like a red wine, and it was almost had a little sweetness to it, a little RS, um, RS is residual sugar. This to me though is like it's off a different vineyard, off a different winemaker. I mean, this is honestly, not even close.
1: It, if if we'd have brown bagged this and you'd have poured this amongst other roses, I would have for sure assumed this was a French rose from Provence, just by the color alone, because most people tend to in America seem to keep it a little bit more red, which I don't mind. Like, you know, there's a whole different style to that. But this thing, you're right. Yeah, like it's got great acid for it coming from where it's at. It has a ton of flavor to it. Um, the nose is a little
0: softer than I thought it would be, but
1: so it's absolutely delicious.
0: So we poured this in two different glasses, and I think we're gonna do this a lot on the show. Um just to kind of talk a little bit about glassware and also to see how these wines change. You know, this is also going to be an exercise a lot for John and myself or Jonathan. Uh, your fa- depending on who you're talking. Yeah. yeah. Depending on your, who's listening. Your, your family's trying to train me. To Meanwhile, come. my dad's on the other side. Like, his <laughs> name's Jonathan. He'd be very proud that I called you Jonathan yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I always talk about this needs to go in this glass. This needs to go in this. But I'm just reciting what was taught to me. I haven't actually done a lot of time of sitting down and putting the same wine in three different glasses. I think we should even expand this and maybe even put a, a Rocks glass on the table sometime.
1: Put oh, like a Tom Collins glass yeah. or yeah. An, an Ata- actually, that's a, not a bad like, You know what cup. we should
0: always do? We should always have a solo cup. It doesn't. <laughs> I wonder if, <laughs> but if, if the plastic would kind of change it or mess with it a I little bit. I,
1: you know what? I think it kind of does only because uh, you. Are you thinking about this? I I am. I'm thinking about only because, so I recently, I was in Napa a while back and a buddy of mine uh, works for an amazing winery. And I won't won't say, yeah, because I haven't shown him the picture, but he gave me an insanely good bottle. I mean, we're talking like a $400 bottle. And my dad and I drank it in Best Western plastic cups in the hotel room. (laughs) I I went to go to... It was was amazing, by the way, but uh, there was definitely a hint of something not natural in there from the Best Western plastic cup. Shout out to Best Western for having cups in there, (laughs) in
0: the hotel room, by the way. I mean, at least you went to the Best Western. That's a good point. You didn't go to the Worst Western.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The the (laughs) jokes will get worse (laughs) as the day (laughs) goes on. (laughs) Great dad joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I remember I went to Paris to visit my brother for his graduation, and... The night we got there, I went out to the store to buy a bunch of wine. And of course, Paris is just amazing for the selection of just Chateau, who knows what the heck it is. And it's two euros a bottle and Chateau it's fantastic. unpronounceable. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it's just it just basically Bordeaux and it's delicious. But me being the American, I want to buy something I'm also familiar with and celebrate with my brother. So we got a bottle of Renard rose.
1: Did the sparkling wine or champagne? Yeah, the champagne. Did you just say Renard? <laughs> what is it? I think it's Renard. There's a T on it. I know. I don't think you pronounce the T.
0: Oh, and all of a sudden, you know French. I do not know French. <laughs> we Your Les ju- 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 June <laughs> is now the Renault. No.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like one person out there like, that is how you say it. And then there's a whole bunch of people like, that fucking idiot. Four, sip,
0: four <laughs> sips of rosé, and now John's fluent in French. Don't worry. <laughs> by the end of this me. bottle, I'm going to have perfect <laughs> Italian, too. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. I show up with my brother's. He has no wine glasses, nothing. I mean, he's a college kid sharing like a flat <laughs> and uh yeah so me my brother my sister drank that bottle out of solo cups that night awesome yeah i remember i got a nice little picture that pops up for the anniversary every year on social media it's like five years ago you drank an amazing bottle of wine out of the worst cup you could think about all the
1: great beers that you drink how often do you drink it out of the bottle that it comes in Most- like i feel like because like when we go to like concerts and we're in a parking lot it's in a solo cup it doesn't taste any different still some good ipa or some whatever thing we bought uh we're at like a basketball
0: game cups true if you were to take that uh ipa that you're getting at a basketball game
1: basketball games by the way now that's what i'm saying
0: but if you get if you get that beer in a plastic cup and then you pour it in a glass is it going to taste different i couldn't imagine no i think the only downside of plastic is it gets warm but you think the wine is yeah i think that i think yeah maybe is this all in your head
1: i was just thinking maybe this is a head thing
0: Now, I do think that Hmm. there's something along the lines of maybe like a a cheaper plastic cup, like maybe like a hotel plastic cup might show off more plastic characteristics. Because if you do put water in that plastic cup at the Best Western, it tastes a little plasticky. Whereas I think maybe you're using a solo cup, something that's... A little... I was about to say Solo Cup's <laughs> higher quality. Solo, yeah. Are we just about to put Solo Cup into a high-quality glass? Was, yes. You know what?
1: We're going to find <laughs> out eventually. But look, right now, you're sitting right here, and you've got... What do you have in there that's, that's in your plastic cup? Yeah, just water. Oh, it's just water. Okay. Yeah. But still, that would, I guess, be a high-quality cup. Like, would it taste that much different if you put it into this?
0: No. And for people who are listening, he's sitting here with a big, giant, red plastic cup. Just a big, iced tea plastic yeah. cup. You get off of Amazon. Yeah. And... Honestly, that water could sit there for two days, and it's not going to taste like plastic. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't think if you took a Coca-Cola out of a bottle and poured it in a new cup, it's going to taste any different. So
0: the next one, what we'll do is we'll do Burgundy Bordeaux. Solo cup. <laughs> Solo cup. Han Solo cup. And we'll do rocks Glass. Because, yeah. you know, the Italians, they just drink it out of those rocks, out of the, Glasses. Yeah, the tumblers. Lock. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I think it'll be a fun idea. <laughs> Dude, what were that? I can't remember. I was somewhere, and it was one of those. It was a cheap restaurant. And uh, they actually had like a decent wine menu. I took my mom out for a dinner when she was in town. And they came out and, like, it might as well have been a martini glass for their wine because it was a triangle and it was the worst possible thing you could have ever put wine into. And it was almost square instead of round. It was the weirdest damn thing. Didn't taste any
0: different. Still good. <laughs> What's funny is that I'm, I'm watching you and I both drink these wines and you tend to be gravitating towards the burgundy glass. And your burgundy yeah. glass both times has ended up empty before your Bordeaux glass. Yeah, you're right. That's weird. I haven't noticed that. I'm the other way around. My Bordeaux glass is finishing quicker than my Burgundy glass.
1: Oh, maybe there's something to it. May- maybe you just have... Experimental s- session maybe with Maybe you just have Jonathan something against Damon. Burgundy
0: glasses. <sighs> maybe. See, I don't discriminate when it comes to glassware. <laughs> no discrimination here I mean, on the how podcast how may- glassware. How many times have you seen me drink out of a bottle? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> That's a good point.
1: I think I saw you pull a bottle out of a coat jacket one time and start drinking it. I <laughs> might have done that.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of weird times. Hey, got to do it once in a while. You know, you only live once, or maybe twice if you believe in that. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on what you're coming back as, right? You come back as an elephant and that
1: drinks uh, that fermented apple juice that hits the ground and get drunk.
0: So, Kurt, if you're listening or to this podcast ever in the future, you got to answer me: Why is your rosé cloudy? It's got just a little hint of cloudiness to it that I typically do not see on rosés.
1: Going with it's probably because he didn't take it off. He probably didn't filter it. Probably took it off the lees.
0: Or for people who don't, lees is the yeast.
1: And uh, I'm going with that. So So.
0: he always sends a great little uh, sheet, like a write-up that has a little information on all of his wines. And for this, it says, yeah, 100% Grenache Rosé, Santa Barbara Highlands, uh, aged (laughs) four months, all in stainless steel. 108 cases this is weird it says aging potential two to three years now would you ever consider aging a rose that wasn't a Spanish rose more than two years I wouldn't age a rose other than sparkling
1: or champagne that'd be the only time I'd really let roses go I'm not saying they're bad I had one one time from' uh, up on the map, uh, muse bouche and um she was releasing her rosés like three years later maybe and it was a Syrah based one so I've had rosés that have been years old and I'm not a fan I like it younger fruitier crispier Phrasing is going to be a thing on this podcast a few times, but uh, I will. Yeah, s- I'm more of a. I like to drink it honestly. The second I get it, it's going into my fridge, and it will be drank before, like, by before the end of summer. I mean, for sure, out here.
0: Terrador Apollo used to do that, uh, or they still do the Alianico, Alianico. Yeah, that's right. Rose. I about that one, and that wine is actually better the next year. Is it really? It always is. Dude, well, that wine was so good. They, they release it late. I mean, they were always one of the last released rosés of the season. But that
1: thing is. It's not like, like this looks like that thing was, it looked like a Pinot noir almost sometimes. That was a dark red
0: rose. It changes. This changes. last, this, this most recent vintage was very, very light, but I think it had to do with the huh. season. Um, cause I just had a chance to taste with Daniela in uh Provine in Germany. Oh, nice. And we went through the rose, and when the rose came out, it was the lightest color I'd ever seen from the rose. But I think they also had that, it was, I think it was a really wet year that year. Possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the nice thing about the wines. You know, you can get crazy different colors and flavors and everything over the years, which is always one of the nicest things about
0: it. So you get something different.
1: Plus, then if, you know, you go back on a 10 years later, you would be like, wow, this is nothing what he used to make.
0: Now, I'd say that that is a problem, though, with some winemakers, though. So what if I do fall in love with this wine this year, and this is the most amazing rosé I've ever had, and next year I can't wait for it to get be released, and he completely changes it? Yeah. What? Do you think that would hurts a winemaker? Do you think that shoots him in the foot? Like, cause this is to me, this I, is a really special rose. Like this is drinking unbelievable right now.
1: I would think that depending on the type of character the winemaker is or what he's going for, like some wineries, hands down, you want consistency, obviously. We're used to consistency, especially as Americans, we're used to consistency. We want the same thing over and over, especially when we fall in love with it. Maybe you can get a little swing here, a little sway that way. But if your guy like, you know, Kirk here is it, He's a, he seems like a really eclectic kind of a guy or even a uh, Maynard up in uh, up in Jerome area. Do they make some crazy different styles of wines? And so maybe that's part of your character. Maybe it's part of your wine is you get it this style one year. The next year, it's a totally different style. And that being wine just might be what they're going for. And it's unfortunate because you'll have some people who go, oh, I didn't like it this year. And the next year go, oh, that was amazing. And then the next year, you know, it's something totally different. We have the same guy making
0: the same thing over and over and over. I think Kurt actually, when we say Kurt, it's Kurt Shacklin. Yeah, Kurt
1: you... Shacklin. It's on the bottle, I would guarantee it. Let me see. Oh, it
0: is. I, I just don't know how to pronounce it perfectly. Yeah.
1: Kurt My... Shacklin. Sorry if we're mispronouncing
0: that, but we've been drinking your wine. <laughs> and we will again. I, uh, at some point, I actually have, I believe, a eight-year or nine-year vertical of his offering wine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We typically open up verticals for Game of Thrones. This is one of our Game of Thrones <laughs> wine. I think we did a, a adversary Dude, we vertical. We a,
1: yeah, we did the adversary and prophetess ones. Uh, we, we did a weird vertical, too, at James for Game of Thrones. It's great, by the way, drinking wine with Game of Thrones is super fun because it makes you feel very, very old time doing that. Oh my god! I feel like I'm in the movie. Sometimes I feel like <laughs> we need to
0: drink it so. out of like a big like grog mug, though. Like oh, a-
1: big giant goblet made yeah. of wood with Ooh. like
0: fuzz down the side from some bear that you had killed. We're talking like uh, like the goblet, like the uh, the goblet from Indiana Jones or something like that. Yeah, like if you
1: hold it, your hand actually might shake from the weight of it.
0: You have chosen poorly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Quotes that'll never go away. That and they only come out at night
0: mostly. <laughs> they mostly come out at night. Mostly. I mean, it, I don't think that was actually a <laughs> phrase that became more popular 15 years ago. I think South Park helped bring that phrase back. Probably. Like, and become kind of the popular por- again. The poorly thing will last forever in a day, though. Oh, my God. I mean, there's so many movie references that, I mean, you're going to hear them on this show all, all the time. time. Yeah, I mean, it's just part of pop culture and what... Is it pop culture? Is that what you actually call it? I don't know. Modern culture? Modern Today's culture? Po- probably po- I bet pop culture is more it's a fad that
1: lasts for so long and then 100% dies off. Yeah. I
0: hate saying pop culture referring to anything that I do because I think of pop culture. I just think of stuff that's very mainstreamy. Yeah. I think it's fad like it's a big fad and then gone like that
1: might be more pop and then you can look back and go oh it was part of pop culture
0: so is rosé here forever is rosé a fad <laughs> is rosé just pop Ooh, culture that's a that's <laughs> a good question you know what no,
1: i bet i bet fruit infused stuff uh, will be a fad and then people will get into it more i bet honestly the more america it builds up one heck of an industry of wine and liquor and beer I think Rosé will always stick around just because as it gets hotter and hotter every single year, especially in a place like Arizona, it'll stay. I bet it'll move through the country, and certain pockets will absorb it, and it'll be part of their culture. Like, out here, probably like in a place like Texas where it's warm, like the South probably, I think if
0: they stop drinking bourbon. I'm going to say it. It's bullshit that people just say they can't drink Rosé when it's cold out. Like, this wine is just fantastic. What, you can't drink beer? Like, you can't drink a, a cold beer when it's cold out? Like... It's Rosé. Yeah, but here's the thing. What beer are you drinking? Are you drinking a
1: stout? Are you drinking a pilsner? Are you drinking a light beer? Are you drinking a heavy beer? I prefer to
0: drink heavier beers when it See? gets cold out, but at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. That's fair, but you're not I haven't seen you pick up a stout or a porter since it's been over 90 degrees out here. True. I don't like heavy beers during the yeah. summer. Like, I also don't like red wines during the summer so much here. Yeah, that's I mean, see, how, that's what I'm saying. It's, how much white wine have you seen me drink over the last? Oh,
1: honestly, the only time we drink red wine is when we have those dinners. And, and Most even time then, it's always white wine. I'm and the one that rosé. I'm the one that shows up the white wine every week because it's just yeah. like it's
0: it's still 110 Dude, degrees. Dude, I, I look
1: at the wine cooler and my beer fridge, and I'm just like, I don't want to drink 90 percent of in here. Not because I don't want to drink it; it's just too hot. But I want to sit outside with like a peroni or like some other dumpster fire beer from Europe that I absolutely love. <laughs> dumpster fire beer. Peroni to me is my hands down favorite beer, but it is definitely a cheap it's beer. It's <laughs> Bud Light. It's the Budweiser or it's the Bud Light of Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And Cronenberg is the Bud Light of France probably. By the way, if they ever hear this podcast they're going to be so offended. No, <laughs> I you, don't you, care. You, you think, guys have oh, no, amazing no, no, beer. No, no, I love no. it. It's fantastic. But
0: but it's just it's the same in both countries, both ends of the pond. They're gonna keep the best stuff for themselves. You just don't yeah. make enough. You can't ship it across. They can't get four peaks beer. They can't get left hand milk stout. They can't yeah. get heady toppers and yeah, they're plenty not of the elders. stone over the street. They're not sending that. It's it'll never last the, the, the journey across the ocean. Beer is very volatile. You put it in a bottle or a can and it's bouncing around on an ocean and everything. It doesn't last. It doesn't hold up. No, there's no way. It's just so, the only beer that makes it over here bottled by the facility is Heineken, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah. think everything else is brewed out here somewhere. Yeah, or- you have to. Yeah. I mean, and so like microbrews, I was so shocked. It was about four years ago. I was at Vin Italy, and they actually had a full warehouse of just Italian craft beer, and it was a monstrous industry. I couldn't believe it. Like Dude, look at our industry out here. How long... You've been here, what, now? Like 25, 30 years In almost? Arizona? Yeah. Or in the United States? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Officially 41, 41 years and years. one day. So, no, in Arizona. <laughs> I moved out here in 1994. Okay. How many craft
1: breweries do you think were around in 1994? Besides what? Four Peaks and Santan? Maybe Oak well, Creek.
0: No, neither of the, none of them were around back then. Really? I was I was at Four Peaks the day they opened. When was that? 99, 1996, That's I think. That's crazy. Because to me, over the last
1: five six years i swear every corner now has a microbrewery everywhere everywhere and most of them are great and if they're not good they have a really good beer and then you'll go in and have some drinks and they'll have 20 different selections and three are amazing the other ones you'll just drink dude you can go
0: anywhere i'm surprised half the time that people still bring beer into the state we have so many breweries out here so so, i mean when you're over in europe there is this craft beer explosion going on in every single country this isn't just an american thing and so Once again, whatever comes to America, whatever we see, it's just going to be the mass produced stuff. There are some very small production Italian craft beers that are coming out here. I was in New Mexico a couple of years ago at a small little wine shop that the guy would love Italian craft beer. And we sat there after we tasted through all my wines. He's like, you got a little time to hang out? And I'm like, yeah. And he he's one he popped one that was like a 20 ounce beer and it was like twenty dollars on his shelf. It was fantastic. I want to say I had like peach in it or something, but it blew me away. I was like, I mean, there are such amazing beers coming out of Europe, but they're, they're actually not coming out of Europe. It's funny that we
1: rag on Arbor Mist for their peach thing, but yet I thoroughly enjoy as much as you do peach ale from
0: Four Peaks. It's amazing. It's one of the best drinking beers to have out here. <laughs> I, my brother just came to visit and I took him to Four Peaks because I was like, you got to see an Arizona icon brewery. Yeah. And he asked what beer he should get. He got that, and he literally sucked that thing down so fast. And then he got another beer, and he looked at me and goes, not as good as the peach. Yeah. And I don't like fruit beers. I know. It's weird. I don't like – Well, what's the one that we drink from uh, when we're always at the
1: fish shows? Uh, uh, Magic Hat.
0: Magic Hat. Magic Hat. That's
1: got a little hint of, I think, passion fruit or something like that in it. that was one of the happiest days I'd ever found when they brought that out here. I, for like years, I went – my mom moved to – what is she at? Fort Benning. And uh, she take me down to Savannah, and we were having some drinks. And this guy's like, "Try this Magic Hat. It's brand new, or it's not brand new, but like it was the first time I ever had it." And I was like, "Holy crap! This is beer. I wish I had it in Arizona." And for like three years, it wasn't there. And then they finally, a total wine got one. I was like, "Oh, this is the greatest day ever." <laughs> See, I have, I have trouble drinking
0: Magic Hat now. If I'm not, I at, haven't had one in years. At this if point. I'm not at a festival, a a some sort of music festival, I almost am depressed as I'm drinking the beer because it brings me back to that moment people ask me like sometimes how I have such a great wine palette. And I'm like, every time I drink a wine, it goes into this crazy filing cabinet of a brain I have (laughs) and it gets lodged into a certain section. And when I drink another wine, it's instantly compared to what section it's going to go in. So it's kind of slides down this row and it hits like this little coin slot. It goes into this one, into that one and that one. I'm like, Oh, this reminds me of the 2007 powers Cabernet. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, this this rosé is going down so It's funny, because
1: now that I'm drinking, it's gotten from being a a relatively um, fruity, like kind of strawberries, kind of like a nose, because that was the most predominant thing I was getting. Now I'm getting nothing but like stone fruit. Like I swear it smells like somebody took like a river and ran it over a bunch of peaches. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. I'm liking this a lot more as I drink this.
0: <laughs> I'm still the cloudiness throws me off. Like it's it's not overly cloudy, but it's, it's it's the slightest haze. Like if you look, if you looked at it quick,
1: you wouldn't notice. But when you put it in the light, you're like, okay, it's a hair cloudy. And honestly, I think the
0: last time we had this, it was a hair cloudy. His the the dark one that I had before the dark one, was yeah. also very very cloudy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, I I. I Depending on who does the wine, if they don't filter it and it leaves a cloud, it doesn't bother me. And I've got a Pinot Noir I made one year and I I racked it off a little hard at the end in the last couple cases were <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. You set that one I up. That was a layup, dude. I, I had to cut you off I on was, that one. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of dunks and layups on those. <laughs> but uh, All right. So you,
0: you you racked it off as hard right, as you can. <laughs> super hard.
1: And uh yeah, it just I pulled up so much sediment from it that the last couple cases, they ended up being tasting bottles, but um my pointing for people, they were looking at it like is something wrong with it? I'm like, no, I just this the very end, you know, it might taste a little different and this it was what it was. So it's, it's my guess is honestly he just he just didn't filter, which is totally fine. It gives it a little more character. So but yeah, for rose, I think we're so used to white wines and roses being crystal clear that when you see just the slightest haze to it, it's all like, huh, like a little red flag goes
0: off for no reason mentally i think it's flawed yeah if i saw it in a bottle it, it looks it looks a little cloudy in the bottle that i got you know so i it might turn me off from buying it in a wine shop if i
1: see that your average person doing that i would but there's songs leaves even i mean i'm sure somewhere it's
0: in shops but out here it's just club base and his club's yeah. killing it <laughs> he did 108 cases of this yeah so, and I'm sure that just, most of it went out through either the wine club or the tasting yeah, room. Yeah, it's 1,200
1: bottles. So he probably, and I guarantee, he's got a thousand plus people on a club that he could get off. To. And then the rest of them would be like, "Oh, I like us." Like, honestly, if I had the option, I'd probably buy a few more. I'm, I'm liking it. Now that it's still got, let's see, what are we in July? So one, two, three more months of hundred degree weather.
0: <laughs> you could drink rosé year round. You could drink year, rosé year round in Alaska. I refuse to do that. <laughs> it's doesn't matter. It's to me, it's it's just a refreshing, great wine. Like. Like with your breakfast in the morning. <laughs> I don't I don't see... I know that my palate changes, that I don't want something heavy, but I could I could drink rosé year-round. Yeah. I, I mean, I could drink a, a white wine year-round. I could drink the, the Brendelmeyer. Yeah, you could definitely drink white wine all year-round. What's, what's really the difference? Probably most of all the rosé disappears off the shelf before it gets down to wintertime. You know, it's interesting. My buddy did a, one time a blind tasting where he actually blindfolded people, and he asked them as they were trying the wines, are you drinking red wine or white wine? And people were actually had no idea. Really? Yep. I
1: figure people were
0: wrong. I want fifty percent of the time
1: people were wrong. But were these more or less like not professionals, but like real wine drinkers who knew then? Kind of, pre- or were they were just like the average person you pulled off like they the were. Street they, basically?
0: they were. Yeah, but you just went down to Phoenix and just grabbed yeah, just, like four people off yeah. the street. Well, some hobo, some other random stranger. Uh, these were at, these bank. were yeah. actually people that paid for a wine class. Okay. And this was the the wine class was a blind class. And it was a great idea. I mean, it was one of those classes that was, uh, it was a Gabe Bertuccini class that he was doing, one of his uh, drinking, drinking ones.
1: Yeah. Uh, he, used to have, he, he used to do drinking ones?
0: Yes. Huh. So his class, his dinners were always four courses of food or five courses of food paired with wine. And then we started doing five courses of wine paired with little bites of food. We started doing opposite ones. Okay. And the opposite ones were just little bites of food, but it was more about wine. It was more wine-centric. And I couldn't make one one time. So the one that I couldn't make was. uh...
1: Sorry, I thought I heard something like driving real hard, like some bass driven car in the background. It tripped me out for a second. I was like, John's over here hearing things. (laughs) Three
0: three glasses of wine. John's like off in la la land. (laughs) Schizophrenia coming in. Dude, you notice I also
1: switched glasses, by the way, out of nowhere because you got in my head. (laughs) Oh my God, you you are definitely doing this. This is hilarious.
0: So, I, I think the wine tastes the same out of both glasses. I do too. I think it smells
1: honestly the same too. I do too. I'm not. I wasn't getting a crazy difference. I, of, actually, I, I as these have a, sat
0: there, it is
1: more vibrant in the burgundy glass. Okay, but I did also just pour a fresh one into your Bordeaux big giant one. I love that glass, by the way, because it can hold an entire bottle of wine. I wonder, can it? It has to. It, didn't we try it? We tried one time. It got up to the rim almost. I don't think we tried. I have that one. I might have that, been drunk. So I have that one sure. uh, from, we won't mention names, but there was a certain person who worked at a certain wine store that sold off a certain amount of stuff he wasn't supposed to. And uh, I got all the the master psalm glass, the giant, ridiculous, well, the one that you broke.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I that, still have one. It was That thing holds an entire block. Correct. Right? We will talk about Fred Astaire night some other time. <laughs> and we'll talk about, my, we'll talk awesome, about the... my awesome dance moves. Yeah. Maybe we can have you reenact it one day when we have a, a video of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll be on video pretty soon. I'm, yeah. g- I'm gonna we'll give us, it up and running. I'm going to give us 10 episodes of just vocals, and that's it, and then we'll go video. Yeah, absolutely. Because, to be honest, you gotta. Dr- I feel like we have to have video for people to drink along with us. Because yeah, you feel like you're part of it. Because if pe- you're just listening to people drink, it doesn't truly get the, f- the full feeling yeah. versus watching them drink. That's just how I yeah, feel. Yeah, plus
1: maybe if it ever got to a point, you know, if you let out, like, an advance, like, hey, we're going to do a Barolo this day or Brunello this day or, uh, you know, Barbera. But I think like I just did all Italian wines, the three Bs. That's weird. Yeah. It's weird where your brain goes to when you're just quickly on the spot thinking of something. But, yeah, and then people can see and try and get an idea. Because you're right, it's weird trying to say, listen, this wine is great, it's amazing, da but it's a little hazy and it's weird. And then in their mind, they're like, oh, is it, like, so hazy you can't see through it? Is it not clear? And then we're... Making a uh, putting an idea into somebody's head or a visual into somebody's head that they're just not following along with. So, yeah, I think that'll be a a good idea once we get the video up and running.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, with all of these, we will promise we will take pictures and post pictures to the websites of the bottles we drink in the meantime and of the glasses and everything else. So this way, all of you listeners out there uh, in. Listener land. (laughs) Listener land. It used to be radio land. Now it's listener land. I mean, on the interweb. Listener land. Is that what you call it?
1: On the interweb of the podcast.
0: So, but this way you can see what we're drinking in the first few. And then as we grow and as we uh, expand this more and more, we'll go to video. We'll go to YouTube. We'll go to a lot of other things. So part of the whole idea of spilling the truth also is to talk about and experiment with other optional beverages We will be talking about and having on whether it's beer, wine, liquor, scotch, uh, but sometimes there might be the Bartles and James. I do Bartles and James. Does it even exist out there? I don't know. Well, it was done. Was it Seagrams that did Bartles and James, or was it Bartles and James that Bartles and James? I don't know. I mean, the only
1: other thing I can think of off the top of my head was EJ Gallo, but then that's not the same thing
0: at all. Oh so, man, you're
1: opening that. Excellent. So, <laughs> qu- right, the guys. question the
0: question is, what glass do we pour this into?
1: Uh, let's do. Uh, wait, how much how much more of the rosé do we have left? Enough. I mean, but I,
0: obviously, we're liking the the Bordeaux glass. <laughs> yeah, so, what we're
1: little, I can't. We should blend in a little of the rosé ne- into our treat. <laughs> Another drink or two, maybe we will. Yeah, probably. All
0: right. So there is no spilling the truth episode complete without having some what the fuck beverage. Yeah, good old and, what the fuck beverage. And so. Uh, Myself, I'm a big UFC fan, and we always have people over for the UFC fights. Um, in fact, I want I want our predictions. We're going to talk about the predictions for the fights tonight, the two main events at least here in a second. Uh, but I just poured us a completely clear beverage. Um, it used to say malt from the '90s, didn't it? Used to say malt on the bottle. I don't think so, man. I'm pretty sure it was always a
1: citrus beverage. I I'm could curious. Be wrong.
0: Curious. So my buddy showed up to the UFC fight a couple weeks ago with a six pack of something that's uh, how the commercials say. Zinfully delicious. Z- it's, yeah, Zinfily delicious. Is that it's, what it Because er, Zenf- I think it's Zin now when you say that, but it was yeah. like, they always played up the Z. No, it, but it always had the end. It was like... <sighs> yeah. I always remember they did that at the end of the commercial. So I don't know why they keep bringing this back, but to be honest, I don't think I've ever had one of you. I've had one before. Have you? Yeah. I think this is something you have to play up like a joke. I it, don't... it tastes like a boozy Sprite. Is it? Okay, I did have one. My buddy owned a restaurant in Nantucket, and he used to serve a cocktail that was... A uh, fireball <laughs> dropped in a Zima. And as you drank the drink, it continuously tasted more and more cinnamon anemone. Cinnamon That's I'm If you're in c- the right cinnamon If I'm in Finding Nemo, it's a cinnamon anemone. Cinnamon Oh, that's a cinema enema. That's even worse. That's the worst type of thing you That is a very bad night in Tijuana. Jesus. So officially, that's the new cinnamon challenge. is a cinema (laughs) cinema. Don't don't let today's (laughs) youth uh, don't let today's youth know about it. No, well of course they're gonna do it now. Oh my god. All right. There's well, always we started a trend. Teenagers. Always teenagers doing something. Always doing something stupid. Funny is, they, there's always just one person that does it, and then it gets picked up in the news. They're like, this is the new trend. Uh, there's going to be a Channel 12 news report. Are kids in
1: your local area putting cinnamon in their butts? That's the new <laughs> trend. Cinnamon emina, enemas. A cinnamon enemies. These two guys <laughs> in these podcasts came up with it, one idea while they were drinking, and now it's a real thing. Find out if it's happening in your neighborhood.
0: All right. So, um... Zima, Zima,
1: we are drinking. It is a a malt beverage.
0: By the way, is that what it is? Cheers, fucker. Cheers, fucker.
1: So we're having. It says a refresh, a refreshing citrus beverage, uh, limited release, which means they'll bring it back every year as usual. In its weird, funky bottle. I'm gonna. It's clear, no haze to it. Little bubbles. Kurt smells like Sprite. Kurt, it's not
0: cloudy. Kurt's not cloudy. (laughs) 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 I will say. So in the nose, it tastes like. No, do you just smell it? Mm-hmm. It smells like the inside of a Froot Loops box after all the Froot Loops are out, and it's <laughs> just, just
1: the dust. It's left? just
0: the, the the plastic bag with the dust in it. That that like kind of like that sugary, multi flavored citrus. Yeah. It literally smells like.
1: I'm with you on that. Like a, like a, it almost like uh. Smelled... I was gonna go with even the Fruity Pebbles kind of a thing. Fruity Pebbles. But it yeah. smells
0: like your milk. Like after you eat all the Fruity Pebbles out of your milk, you just smell the bowl. That's what it smells like to yeah. a tea. Yeah, it's oh my a- god, that is straight up fruity pebbles on the nose. Yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> should uh, just market it that way at this point. Yeah, uh, fruity pebbles. You might want to get in the Zima business, or you might want to sue them because they might have stole your flavor.
1: It would be funny. All of a sudden, one year, who, who owns fruity pebbles? Kellogg's or something? They own, they buy up Zima one day just so they can make a drink. Although I'm, I'm sure there's a vodka out there called. I think it is. It's called
0: Fruity Loops. There's a vodka that does that. It's it's actually not abrasive. It's actually super easy drinking. You're right. It's kind of sweet. But it's not. You said it tasted like a like a really like super citrusy like it, Seven Up or Alcopop. It reminds seven up.
1: me of a Sprite or Seven Up a little bit.
0: It's not as sweet as a Seven Up, though. I find myself swirling a Zima in a very I, expensive you,
1: wine glass, which was something I didn't think I'd ever do in my you life.
0: You are swirling the Zima, I'm swirling <laughs> a damn Zima. I'm glad you called yourself out, and I didn't call you call you out on this one. Yeah, well, you I kind of d- had to. <laughs> God, I felt but, terrible. But you myself. you also feel compelled to keep drinking it. I feel like. It will be said a million times, like a pompous aristocrat. <laughs> oh, my God. My buddy caught me cutting a burger in half, and he called me pompous aristocrat. And this is a guy that is one of the most abrasive people I know. And for him to even use the word pompous aristocrat, I didn't think he knew those words. No, <laughs> that's not in his dictionary. You know what I will complain
1: about this, Zima, though? It went flat pretty instantly. much instantly. <laughs> it. You're right. Now it just tastes like it a did. flat Sprite. You're pouring more, man. You're daring. I'm gonna take a little more.
0: I just wanted this. Yeah, you I know want what?
1: I'm gonna make a little drink right here too. Let's see if we can put a little Zima but in here. Taste wise, it reminds me I'm also pour a little of like the, rose the, into
0: here, just the, a little splash for the, some color and flavoring. The dust off of Fun Dip. You know Fun Dip, right? Yeah. You know, like I've been one of those forever. Yeah, but it, it was kind of that flavor of that not so sweet sugar is kind of the flavor of the Zima. Okay, I could kind of right. see where you're so, going with so, that. So, folks, I would not recommend these. Actually, I would, to be honest. Honestly, I was just going to say, I, I mean, think it's it, pretty good. To everybody who's under to... the
1: age of 21, do not drink. But if you do, <laughs> seriously, don't get into Zemo. <laughs> no. People I mean, will
0: probably judge you pretty much. I could honestly see in these being insanely dangerous. Like, what's the alcohol level on these? Five, six percent. F- five percent. Oh, dude, pour a little rosé into
1: it. I it gives it. it some life. Sorry, sorry, Kurt. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's like a 50-50 blend of rose. It gives it a little something. It gives it a little pep. It makes you feel terrible about yourself. Just the fact that I did that and we recorded it
0: makes me feel terrible about myself right Honestly, now. Honestly, I feel like I need to go buy a trailer at this point. I feel <laughs> like I need to go to confession from this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to go talk to somebody.
1: I'm going to go to every single plastic surgeon in Arizona and try and sell this to people.
0: <laughs> Zima yeah. and Rosé. I feel like, for, forgive me, Kurt, for I have sinned. <laughs> 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 or I have zinned. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. All right. Well. As the jokes get worse and worse. Who makes Zima? I almost don't even want to
1: promote I'm them.
0: Su- I'm sure somebody else has bought them. And- oh, dude, you're right. It, malt beverage with natural flavor. I wonder you what, right. You got it. I wonder what you know when they say natural flavor could be just about anything? It could be literally anything. So what 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 is the flavor? Oh, it's you know how it's fake vanilla. You know how they get you know it's what? bugs, right? Or no, it's, no, it's, it's beaver, it's, it's beaver butt. Beaver butt. Beaver butt. <laughs> beaver butt juice. Zima Beverage Company,
1: it's an actual beverage company in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So to all you people in La Crosse who may or may not ever listen to this one day, congratulations on making Zima, your town should be
0: proud. I would love to someday get the people from New Gloris Brewing on here. <laughs> what? New Gloris Brewing? Never even heard of it. They're in Wisconsin. You can't get their beers out here. They're so freaking good. There's a good. lot of stuff out there.
1: We had a wedding from a bunch of people who were from Minnesota, and they brought out this beer called Swirly. And honestly, it was one of the best IPAs I've ever had. They don't sell it out here. They had it all shipped in for their wedding.
0: There's a fun IPA festival up in Northern California every year called the... Apocalypse, <laughs> which I think is one of the most amazing names. Stoners and people in the liquor industry make the best pun names. We really do. I mean, but I mean, I actually have trouble saying it because I'm always trying to like hip-hop, hip-hop apocalypse, hip hop, hip hop apocalypse. Yeah. So yeah. So the apocalypse. I think it's done by Drake's, uh, but they have plenty of the elders there. They have all sorts of like amazing Ooh. beers there.
1: The rose after the Zima does not taste good.
0: Is that because you're. It's because
1: the Zima still like there.
0: Lingering, that sweetness yeah. in your mouth. Yeah. I could see it being tasty to somebody who doesn't drink very much. Zima reminds me exactly
1: of something that uh, where you did like where you would ice people with the Smirnoff ice and you hide it and you force them to drink it. Zima needs to have a trend like that. All <laughs> right. So, exp- so that they e- s-
0: explain icing real quick.
1: So icing was a thing where people took Smirnoff ice. And what they would do is they would hide it anywhere in anything possible. And if you were the unlucky person to find it, you had to get down on one knee and chug the bottle. And I have seen some of the most creative ways of people hiding it. We were at my buddy's wedding and his wife actually put it in her garter belt. So he went under the dress to pull it off. He came out with a smear enough ice. At least, you know, that's, that's what we were hoping she put it there. <laughs> we had uh, When I worked uh, over at this restaurant, we had uh, rolled it up into a breakfast burrito for one of the managers. And so when he f- used a fork and knife to cut into the burrito, all of you heard was like the tink of a glass. And he just had this look on his face like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Of course, he pulls his burrito apart, and there's a Zima in there. Uh, I got one of my roommates. I stuffed it into his toilet after he had an insanely hard night of drinking, so I know he had to do it in the morning. It was a terrible... Terrible trend, but it hands down made Smirnoff probably a billion dollars. <laughs> it's still going on. People it are still, still happens. Uh,
0: people are still getting nice. Yeah. I just never knew the reason behind it because I always see on... I never knew the reason behind it. I just I, know that's what it was. I, I didn't see know who started so, it. Yeah, I see on social media all the time of like, oh, I just got so-and-so and it shows them on one knee drinking, yeah, drinking it. Yeah. And it's, always, it's usually the USBG people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always like it, the bartender people. It, yeah, it's the people who are like the biggest drinkers, partiers, like it's like they're trying to yep. screw your
1: friend. Yeah. It's it's how you know you have good friends, is when they want to ruin your morning or night, depending on what time you get it at. Yeah, because sometimes it's in the morning I've seen them too. Yeah, I've done those. Oh I had God. one uh one of my roommates got me by putting it in the uh the wash, not the washer, the uh, the dryer, and so the second, like I threw my clothes into it, it was just a twenty-two ounce bottle sitting in there. I'm just like, oh my god, I hate my roommate
0: so much. <laughs> oh my god, that's where do some of these trends start? Like, I don't know, man. They always work in a weird, weird way. And I wonder, does this icing thing go on in Wisconsin, New York? Is it more of an? It's aeros- got to. It's got to happen. They probably have weirder ones, too. And who was the first one to do it, and how did it take off? It had to have started with the USBG group. It had, but there's got to be so many terrible
1: drinking trends out there that people are having fun with, but they've just never hit the right person to put it on an Instagram, to put it on YouTube, or have like a famous person do it. Like, What was that stupid dance everybody did, the Harlem
0: Shake? Oh my God. It was like one rap group did it and boom,
1: all of a sudden for a month, Everybody. everybody on the planet, they had the Swiss army or the, or the Finnish army did an entire thing with it too. And everybody did it. The ice bucket challenge took off like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a weird trend, but it always takes one, one big name person to set it off. And I have zero clue where icing popped out from, but damn, if it wasn't a real fun trend for like three months, except we all got yelled at and almost fired because we went through like. Three to four thousand dollars worth of smear enough ice because we kept buying like 10, 12 packs at a time. Kept on, kept on, and we only sold like three in like three months because we just in the restaurant kept icing everybody at work. What place was this? R and R. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to R and R where all your servers are probably lit.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's just common in the restaurant business that place. now. I yeah. mean, well, it's not as common, say, in Arizona, but there are parts of the country where bartenders are encouraged to drink along with their patrons. I remember it was very common on the East Coast. Um, I remember going out to Nantucket and there was like seven of us. We I walked up to the bartender, I need seven shots. And she looks at me and goes, you mean eight, right? <laughs> and, and It's just common. Like if you're going to get a round of shots, you got to get one for the bartender too. I had learned from bartending uh- – there was a girl
1: who taught me how to bartend. And she said, if you don't want to get drunk by the night, cause everybody's going to buy you drinks, always keep a Bud Light empty bottle around you so that when you take the shot in front of them, you can then just spit it back into the Bud Light bottle. And I thought that was stupid. I was like, who's like, all right, I just want to have a shot with my customers. You know, I felt good. Like I had more, like more pep to myself. I could sell a little better having drinks, but you're right. All of a sudden I get my shift at seven o'clock and by nine o'clock, 10 people had offered to buy me a shot. I'm like, Oh my God, no wonder nobody can get through the end of the night by this point. You've got to kind of fake it at some point.
0: Yeah. I mean I've had my fair share of drinking on shift. I learned I didn't yeah, I, everybody I, has. I didn't like it. I did not enjoy drinking at work. It was great. If you could like if you had like an f eight hour shift and you crank out one beer
1: here, maybe one there, like just the bartender slipping aside, it was fine. Like it was probably a little bit easier for the day. But yeah, some no- every now and then you'd always see it. One of the bartenders, or one of the servers would be hammered
0: because they just couldn't stop drinking. <laughs> so back to Rose because yeah. that's the way we're supposed to do things, is is there any varietal you can't make rosé out of? I mean, white well, wine. Well, white wine. <laughs> 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 got you. I mean, technically,
1: you probably can if you just do like a Rapazzo style where you just take the white wine and pass it over some red grapes or something.
0: Can you do a Tenat rosé? I mean, yeah. Do you think it would be any good? <sighs> I don't see why not. I mean, if somebody did it right,
1: probably, that's probably what it would take. A really good winemaker would take a really weird grape. I honestly, uh, I mean, there was that one Pinot Grigio used to sell that had that orange hue to it, yeah. kind of, or the pinkish hue. Uh, Rosatos that. or yeah. not, ro-
0: rom- Romatos, Romatos.
1: Yeah, I can't see why you wouldn't be able to do it. You know, I mean, I've seen, I saw a billboard the other day go up, and I think it was for, uh, I, I had to have been Smirnoff. I swear it was Smirnoff, and they have their new Smirnoff Ice Rosé, and it was raspberry. And I'm like, all right. So now we're just saying names at this point. <laughs> Man, I'm but seeing- for wine, yeah, I, I don't see how you couldn't do it with. Anything. Maybe a Sagrantino you wouldn't
0: want to do it with.
1: <laughs> that would tear your mouth apart. Yeah, and there's I, also like no acid
0: in that wine sometimes, depending on who you're buying. I it from. wonder. I'm, that's, that's an interesting question to ask actually. Some other winemakers, some parts around the world, because I've worked with Tuscan producers that do Sangiovese rosé, Alianico. Oh, I, yeah, I, I don't that's think a of, crazy I, don't, I don't think of Alianico as a rosé making grape. I had I mean, a Cabernet from Red Mountain that was a rosé, yeah. and it was
1: fantastic. I've had Malbec Rosé. Yeah, they don't. I think it probably, just like everybody, comes down to cost. I mean, the Cab Rosé that I had was $40. So shoot, the Syrah one I had from Amuse Boost was like 70 So See,
0: that's the problem. You can't make Rosé expensive. That crazy. And I just
1: got lucky enough to try it. I'm not going to. Uh, as great as those wines are, 70 bucks for a Rosé is crazy. You producers out there that are trying to make $70 Rosé, don't. Yeah, be a sparkling, or excuse me, a champagne producer, and you
0: could probably be the only people that can get away with don't it. Don't do it. Just... Rosé is something people need to drink with their lunch on a Tuesday.
1: I always wonder that sometimes. Like, if you're trying to make a product, and I know to get your name, that you want to do things. But, yeah, man, sometimes it's just great for the industry if you just keep a certain thing inexpensive, a certain drink. Like, rosé, the best rosé in the world, not including a champagne, obviously, should probably be 25 bucks. The best in the world.
0: (laughs) So, in Europe, the hot zone... There's going to be 100 producers out there telling me to go fuck myself. Yeah. (laughs) Well... But there's also going to be at least one that's probably going to listen to you and be like, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think about in Europe, a lot of their wines are sub 10 euros a bottle. Like when you go to a yeah. wine shop, they're not they're not trying to buy wine to age in a cellar. They're just buying wine to have on Tuesday and Wednesday night like for dinner.
1: Yeah, but think of how many people I would imagine in Europe, probably more family driven. They don't really care too much versus out in America. It's starting to become what looks more like a big corporation buying up and go, oh, we need to make profit. Crank that price up more. We sell a million bottles. At ten bucks, well, if we sell eight hundred thousand at fifteen, we made more. So go ahead and crank that one up, and then do it again next year, and then
0: do it again next year. And I just I don't see rose ever being the wine that people lay in their cellar. They hold on to. I don't see it. I just don't see how or why or or like oh, I just spent a thousand dollars on this chateau blah 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 rose. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised
1: if there will be the. Uh, was it the exception to the rule where there's a couple that people there will always out. is there like this to me is is great it's like i said it's got that stone fruit flavor and when you first open it it's nice fresh fruit like a straw like almost like a basket of peaches or excuse me uh, strawberries when i first had it and then it kind of settled down but if you age this for three or four years and that fruitiness kind of fades off that's not what i was looking for um so therefore it's kind of you know I guess it's preference and where everybody wants to go.
0: Well, there's the Spanish rosé that is pretty popular out there. That I think they released it after, like, 15 years. Like, it's not released young. Actually, our 21 and over party, somebody brought a bottle of that rosé, I think.
1: You sure? Because I remember somebody bringing, like, a 20-something-year-old white wine.
0: It was a rosé. I know that there was a rosé. So. I must, I must have I, just I, missed that. I know that there's like literally 20 wine friends that are gonna listen to this, that are gonna be like, that are banging their heads like, Damien, it's this, it's this. Like, now that I could picture the bottle. No, I'm not touching the Zima again. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to hand him the
1: Zima rosé. It smells like cotton candy now. <laughs> yeah. Oh as it sat in the glass. As it sat in the glass. Yeah. It smells like cotton candy when you pour the rosé into the Zima. But yeah, so there's definitely got to be um, a couple of our friends who are annoyed that we can't remember, especially the guy who brought it. It He's like, it was amazing. I brought this. How can you not remember?
0: So the 21 and over party is actually kind of a fun idea that we do every year. It is (laughs) a... You have to bring a bottle. If you don't explain it, it's so weird. It is. Well... (laughs) True. And every time I explain it, people are always like, that's such a great idea. So we started a party that I've nicknamed the Right Occasion Party. We always say somebody saves the bottle for the right occasion, but you don't ever seem to open it. You just It sits around, sits around, sits around. The right occasion is not Christmas or Thanksgiving with my family because, once again, mom drinks white <laughs> or peach chardonnay. So the, often the right occasions just don't come up and this bottle sits around. So we said, all right, here's the right occasion party. Bring the bottle you've saved for the right occasion. And it blew up. Well, unfortunately, the party went from being 20 people to 100 people. Oh, Oh, my God,
1: that party was crazy. The last time
0: we did it, it was like... People off the streets came into it. There were 200-something bottles there of... Some of it was amazing wine, some of it was mediocre. It was like
1: 80% amazing, and the other 20 people were just coming, but they brought like a Yellowtail or a 337 or something you bought for 10 bucks off of a shelf. I I
0: felt bad for the people that had the, the nice bottle to share. So that's why we created the offshoot party that was the 21 and over, which Mm -hmm. meant that you had to bring a bottle, one bottle per couple that was 21 years or older. This was your ID to get into the party. And such an amazing idea. I want to say we probably had... 35 40 bottles that night that were yeah. all 1996 or i can older. still remember the two that i absolutely
1: love the most i mean i would say most of the wines there was probably only what do you see you said like 35 40 bottles at least maybe like yeah, about five that. seven of them were just straight bad mm-hmm. like there's no coming back from their bad. the other ones were more of like a turns out i'm not a big fan of older american style wines which i'll actually come back to a sec but um the one guy brought the, uh, John brought that Philip Taunier, whatever, Diamond Mountain. His hands down were the best wines I ever had. The Italian wine and the guy who brought the French and Spanish wines were the best ones. They made it the farthest. And they were absolutely fantastic. And actually, that one time you and I had a, it was one of the first old, it was the oldest wine I think I've ever had. Going back to Sterling, when we had dinner that one night at Atlas and the guy had the 1973 Sterling Napa Valley cab, it was so good. And then, like, to have it later on and be like, okay, well, it's nowhere near the same thing that it is now, but it's, it's definitely a preference of taste. And then, then we broke out everything else after that, <laughs>
0: and still ended up being like ninety bottles deep at the end of the night. Oh my god, amazing! Actually, I was just kind of looking at the picture real quick. So the rosé was a nineteen ninety six rosé. That was, was that. Bought. What it was? Yeah, and it was the Spanish. Do you have the one. picture of it? I do. Let me see it when you're done. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 1996.
1: It, it, that's the one I was thinking with the little net on the side. Yeah. I didn't realize that was the rosé. Okay. Yeah, they
0: released that rosé something like fifteen or twenty years late. Every year, like ten years late. I don't know what it is. Oh, there's that Barolo that I bought from '96. Man, that was uh, uh, a great night. Of yeah. The so, so, so honestly, those of you out there in uh, internet land listening to this, like, throw some parties based on some awesome topics. Like, is that an Armagnac? The, oh, it was yeah. Okay. I was well, like, there's
1: another rosé. No, nope, sorry. No,
0: the Armagnac was rocket fuel. Like, that was not <laughs> needed that night. Joe brought me another one of those because he had
1: the same thing, but instead of being eighty-two, it was like eighty-nine or whatever. Good God.
0: <laughs> but man, those of you who are out there in like I said in internet land listening to this, use some fun themes. Why don't just say come over and bring a like a bottle. Say, hey, you know what? I want everybody to bring a bottle tonight that to begins with the letter B. Or That's always fun. Or we did one that was like called like uh Barolo Bernello Bordeaux Oh My. And it was <laughs> everybody had to bring a wine that was kind of fell in that category. And what we would do is we would actually, some of these parties, we would brown bag the choice that everybody brought. So you would have 30 people bring 30 bottles of wine. We would brown bag all 30 and then we would vote and at the end we'd have fun little gifts we'd give out to people who brought the best like That's best a good idea show. actually. Yeah, give something kind of cool.
1: Uh John did a thing one time where he did all uh syrah based wines. And um uh, we'd It's amazing cuz you could sit there and even though it's all syrah or shiraz that you could have 20 wines and 10 of them are so drastically different
0: you couldn't even imagine that. That was the same grape. <laughs> yeah, people always ask me, like, Damien, how did your wine palate get so good? Like, how did you get so good at wine? I'm like, I just drank, 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 drink, friends, drink with friends. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. It, I didn't take a lot of formal classes. I didn't, you know, go to university for wine. I didn't grow up in a winery. So it was a matter of sitting down and with 10 other friends and talking about it, throwing these yeah. parties, these Shiraz parties or Syrah parties or Bordeaux parties and going through all these wines individually and breaking them down. With this podcast, we're going to break down a lot of different styles of wines. I can anticipate my palate over the next two years honing more than it ever has been before just by doing this podcast. I think there's definitely going to be, if we had, let's say we made it to 500
1: podcasts, and uh, we'll go back and look, and we're clearly going to have favorites. Like, oh, man, we just drank nothing but, like, our biggest ones are Brunellos, or, like, we maybe get weird and have some Spanish Tempranillos that we just base an entire time on. Also, what I really like about this, Sancerre is this Les Journeys. I think, like I said, my French gets better as we go. Oh, it's such a good low alcohol that you can sit here and what are we like an hour and fifteen minutes into this thing drinking this? Anizema, by the way, um, there's no like crazy lagging buzz. Don't feel tired. I feel energized. Like I'm still good. I think this is such a great day drinking wine, and, and I- it's such an approachable fruity, easy-tasting, nice acidic wine that everybody, I think, would enjoy it. I don't think this is one of those wines where if you poured it, some people are like, ah, I just don't want to drink this at all. Like, there's definitely going to be some times where it's a very specific palate. This is a
0: perfectly easy-drinking rosé. I think somebody who doesn't drink wine at all could actually truly fall in love with this wine. Absolutely. I think this is a great... Bridge gateway, a, a gateway drug into rose <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, the gateway rose. The gateway rose. <laughs> like I do feel that way because it, it's not too acidic. As, acidity throws people off. It it's not sweet, and sweetness could throw people off. Yeah, there's it's definitely a, no sweetness to this, which is no. Nice. It's it's a, it's a bone dry salmon rose. I mean, I would say bone dry, but it's it's really super crisp and clean and refreshing, and not. Little hints of when I say it has, we say it has hints of strawberry or peach or almost get a little rhubarb. It's rhubarb. It, it's not over the top. It's so subtle. Very got very a nice s- finish too. It's very sexy. Yeah, it's
1: definitely lingering for a decent amount of time. Like I can still kind of just had a sit maybe like ten seconds ago and I can still taste it, which is kind of nice. Because there's some that just fall off cliff immediately. They taste amazing, and then the second you swallow, it, you're like, oh, I'm done. What was our alcohol level on this? Twelve percent, thirteen, maybe at most. You know, Kurt, I'm going to give you props for doing it. If it's, I can't find it in the bottle.
0: It's, dude, he does it so small. It's right there in oh, the there black. it is. It's in the black. Twelve point nine. There you go. So yeah, sub thirteen. I I wish more people made wine sub thirteen. I do too, man. I
1: love I love Napa Cab. Big Napa Cab fan. But every now and then they, I get one that's like it tastes amazing, but it's got like fifteen nine alcohol. And I know you get a huge like a one percent variant, so it could be sixteen nine, but. Man, it's just a huge bomb. It's like when I like to drink beer, I like really good IPAs that hang in the 6-7%, but every now and then I have one that's like a double IPA where it's 11-12 and you're like, "Dude, I just had one beer and like I, I'm buzzed and I don't want to drink another one for a while." There's some wines that you just don't want to be a massive
0: alcohol bomb and you just want to sip on it for a while and i i enjoy drinking wine i really truly enjoy sitting around with my friends for three four or five hours and just sipping on wine and when you drink those 16 70 alcohol wines you're done you're and, done and you wake up the next day and sometimes you're like oh what hit me and and the crazy thing is when you get that high
1: sometimes with certain grapes they got to mask it with a ton of oak so then you just have a crazy oak bomb of a wine sometimes they leave a little bit of residual sugar in the wine to mask the alcohol in some cases depending on obviously the producer. But yeah, it's it's nice just having a light, it's funny that saying 12% is light, <laughs> but yeah, like it's just a light, easy drinking wine. And like I said, it's been an hour and a half almost, and this is still enjoyable. It's warmed up a little bit, so it's not cold far, straight from the fridge, and it's still a good tasting rosé. So if you were sitting outside, it's still drinkable. Yeah. I mean, maybe not in Arizona, because we're all
0: practically melting, but... You know what, though? We have air conditioning inside. Yeah, I'm sweating just thinking about what the temperature is outside. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so UFC fights tonight, Johnny. All right. <sighs> All right, so main event, Stipe Ooh. Miocic. Man, Stepe is just so
1: good. How do you go against a four-time title champ? And, and, and Cormier, though, is, dude, I, it's only lost twice to the best UFC fighter ever who can't stop getting caught
0: using HGH or whatever. Cormier has never lost a round fighting heavyweight. That's crazy. He's beaten. He won the strike Strikeforce Grand Prix for heavyweight, where they had like eight different heavyweights or 16 heavyweights all compete. He won it. I mean, he's a very accomplished heavyweight. I can't believe he cut to 205, first of all, when you see that guy. Yeah, looking at him, you're like, how did you do that? <laughs> yeah. So I think he weighed in at 246. I think Stipe weighed in at like 243 or 244. Yeah, but when you're that big, who cares about two, three pounds? Stipe's got a good, uh, he's got a few inches on him. Yeah. When this is all said and done, I'm also going to show you the picture on UFC.com. They made Cormier look bigger than Stipe in the photos. Did they really? Yeah. (laughs) On the like the fight breakdown, it shows them side by side. (laughs) Cormier (laughs) looks like twice as big. It is hilarious. Zoomed in a little
1: more. Oh
0: my god! Like UFC, what are you doing, guys? So five
1: rounds. I'm going Stipe. If, if it's going to be a knockout, Comier will knock him out. If it's going to go the distance, DPA will take it. All right. So you still didn't tell me who's going to win. I'm going i am going Comier. I think right. Comier takes it. I think he's just too good and underrated sometimes. He's not underrated, but people don't give him the props that he should have just because of the John Jones fights. I'm telling you, these are the two Plus, most that guy could punch a guy throughout the ring if he really wanted to.
0: These <laughs> are... I don't want to say underrated, but these are the two least popular most amazing fighters the ufc's ever had like you don't hear hype about stipe or cormier no it's it's always about it was always john jones ronda rousey mcgregor so everybody else like stipe dude even what's his name from
1: uh the wrestling uh brock Brock lesnar yeah but no the newest guy who's definitely gonna be Uh, cm cm punk cm got cut did he really already (laughs) I'm, i'm sure he did yeah like talk about the hype going around that comia after he does his chicken popeye commercial which by the way for everybody listening just youtube comia and popeye's chicken it is the funniest damn thing <laughs> so you will see So
0: funny and in, in, in the press conference actually uh uh the other guy that's fighting against naganyu um he was oh my god what's his name again was it davis no not davis uh Derek. Derek. Yeah, they call him the Black Beast. Yeah. So he, they were sitting there. <laughs> they, they were sitting there, and Cormier's like, "What do you? What's your problem with me?" And he's like, "Cause you and that Popeyes commercial. <laughs> you screwed up the Popeyes. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah. So second but, fight
1: Nagano and uh, all right, Derek. I'm Nagano. Just uh, talk about a talk about the biggest freak of nature. That guy is so jacked, so big. He's a freak. he looks like a character out of The Running Man, basically. He looks like another guy who could punch somebody out of the building, and I—I I don't. If he doesn't win it in the first round, he's not going to make it because right.
0: there's no way he's got the energy to do it. So yeah, Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. Lewis, sorry Derek Lewis, sorry Derek Lewis, and we'll have you on the podcast someday if you will come on. Hopefully, just don't punch us. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'll eat some Popeyes with you, brother. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> the, we can, we'll eat Popeyes and rag on Comier for a totally. while. Totally,
0: I'll even—I'll have a way better dance. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to be googling. Uh, Daniel Cormier-Popeye dance now. <laughs> Hopefully enough to give him some, some money for it. All right, so Naganyu versus Lewis. Naganyu's that guy with that uppercut. He's the one that uppercutted Overeem. Knocked Overeem into Tomorrow. Dude, he lifted him three feet off the ground, yeah. it looked like. Yeah, seriously. It was, it, was, it was comical. It was like a cartoon. It was.
1: It was cartoonish. Yeah. To, you swear it would look fake in watching it. So yeah, Naganyu wins if it's immediate. Uh, Lewis wins if it goes the distance. So I'm going Lewis.
0: So, you're saying it's going to go to the I'm distance? I'm going distance and Ooh. it's going to be Lewis.
1: Not distance, like as in like five rounds or that, what's it, three t- rounds. I think it makes it to the third round and Naganyu has nothing that, by mid
0: second. That's how Stipe beat Naganyu. He just laid on top of him. He just he wore him out. Yeah. He got through the first round and then he's, he just laid on him for four rounds. <laughs> yes. That's what it took. So, then what's uh, what's the the third fight? Third fight is going to be Paul Felder versus Mike Perry. Paul Felder they call the Irish Dragon the oh, guy Jesus that's a great nickname <laughs> totally uh, That guy sounds like he parties <laughs> Yeah and then Mike Perry has a lot of face tattoos Oh, so, that guy's been to jail at least so, 10 so, times. So, so it's either the face tattoo guy or the pale white dude. So the guy who chugs Jameson or the guy who beats
1: people with Jameson bottles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm going with the drinker's going to do it. The Irishman's taking it. The Irishman's taking it. Irishman's
0: going to take it. It's hard to one. brood against any Irishman ever.
1: I got to go with uh, my girlfriend's trick to sometimes winning things that don't pay attention to record or anything. Just go on what looks right. Like, should she pick mascots to win versus the actual team? And most of the time, she's right and just like, God damn it. <laughs>
0: this is so fucking stupid. I love it. girl. Uh, who works for Sextant, great friend of mine, Ashley. Uh, we have a nickname for Jameson, Irish champagne. It's Irish, Champagne. <laughs> God, I would just say I'm surprised it just didn't say Irish water. Oh my God, hilarious! So we just say we're like, hey, let's get shots of Irish champagne. <laughs> <laughs> it's so perfect. <sighs> um, and then what's uh, fight number four? Uh, Michael Chiesa and Anthony Showtime Pettis. Showtime Ooh. Showtime Pettis is the guy who jumped off the yeah, fence, kicked the dude in the face. Yeah. And Kiesa won Ultimate Fighter, and he is a submission expert. He's going to take it. Yeah, I think so. He's also a lot bigger. He came in overweight. He lost. He'd missed weight by a How couple much? pounds. Uh, a couple pounds.
1: But it's not for a belt, right? No. All right. He'll take it just because submission people tend to win a little bit more, and uh, I think Pettis is getting up there in age now at this point. I think he is, too. Yeah. Like, he's probably on his last five fights. I think it, it's the fight game, man. It wears people down. Yeah. You you, you don't see a lot of 40-year-olds or what? There's one 40-year-old one left in UFC at this point? A couple 38, 39ers, and everybody else kind of fades at around 35? Yeah, there's not too many of them. Yeah. And then the last main event fight
0: was uh, five of them, G- right? Gokhan Saki?
1: Oh, Captain, I'll kick you in the face all day long. This is
0: like one of the best kickboxer fighters ever in the history of the world versus a guy named Khalil Roundtree. Uh, Khalil was on the Ultimate Fighter. He's a good brawler. Yeah. It's a good stand-up matchup, I think. I think both these guys are going to stand up and brawl. Um, it's hard to root against Gokun Saki, personally. Dude, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think you even know much about either of them, but I think after tonight, both we're, we're going to know a little more. I think the world is going to know a lot about both of them. That's a great name, Gokun Saki. That sounds
1: like something straight out of Tekken or Street Fighter. It does, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Or it sounds almost like a, a He's
1: got the what's that? What's that one character, the Indian dude, the Buddhist guy who had the leg kick where his leg would extend yes. 19 feet and kick you in the face. Oh my God, I don't remember. I his can't name. remember his name. He had the I, I would always use him because you
0: could roundhouse kick people from twenty seven feet yes. away and never lose. It also sounds like the bad guy in a Godzilla movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's Godzilla versus Gogonzaki. <laughs> it does. Oh my god. <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah. It sounds like a
1: great drink too in Japan.
0: Man, h- how much how wasted must have those guys been that made Godzilla back in the day? Oh man, they dressing up in this suit destroying like little cities. It must have been hilarious.
1: They probably had so much <laughs> damn fun doing that too. They're like, "All right everybody, pound some sake. let's do this." God, they Dude, must there's have been. so many movies I've seen like within the last 5 years that there is a 100% chance people were making it on mushrooms and LSD. Like they were just like, "All right everybody, take acid and action." Yeah, right? <laughs> You would think you would think it's probably the best way to go about some weird like Tim Burton for sure has never been sober making a movie. I no. hope I hope I never I never want to meet him only because he'll be one of those guys who ruins it cuz he'll be like no, I was totally sober and everything was fine and this is just the way I think about how I make my movies and it'll kill my buzz thinking that that guy does mushrooms to make his movies.
0: Yeah, but I think a lot of those might have been done also when he was younger and you have a different outlook and different things going on. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of Fish, and I think about the fact that Fish has written a lot of their songs um, while enhanced when they were in their youth. When your brain is actually developing a lot too, versus I think when people are 40, 50, 60, you've hit a point where I don't want to say you're not as creative, but I feel like there's a creative outlook that people have or creative in something inside people when they're very young and they're still developing. You know, I think that when someone hits 65, they're not as creative as they were when they were 20.
1: Yeah. I agreed.
0: mean, so I'm at the very last sip of my rosé. I see you my, got My wine is gone. gone.
1: So my final thoughts on the rosé and not the Zima, because Zima, Zima. It was just kind of fun to taste it, too. It's fun to I can't wait to do the next terrible beer there, whatever we find. So my final thoughts on this rosé is, it is a great rosé from Santa Barbara. Uh, we both agreed that it tastes great. Smells great. You know the haziness throws it off maybe a hair, but hundred percent recommend this to try. Uh, the Les Jeunes. You're. Yeah. It's getting worse by yeah, the time. Yeah, it I just, just got I way worse. I really. I need to know how to pronounce it probably, but it's L-E-S-J-E-U-N-E-S. J e u n
0: ask my brother. Oh yeah, that's right. He he would know. He's French. Yeah, he's not French. He just lived it. He thinks he's French. Yeah, he doesn't take a scarf off. So yeah. So with that, last sip going down it's gone. And it's all gone. Uh, thanks, Kurt. Your wine was awesome. Really, Correct really appreciate this. That was fantastic. Yep. Look forward to having you on someday. Um, let's wrap this up, buddy. Yeah, that's perfect. Let's, I watch the fights. There and let's get some fights going and
1: uh, we'll do another one later. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Take care. Take care.
0: Dude, easy hour and a half. It's okay. Still, it's an easy hour yeah. and a half. Just edit that off.